This program is brought to you by the partners of A Root Awakening International. Help others find truth. Support A Root Awakening International today. Solomon and Moses were amazing people, but they still made mistakes. At the end of their lives, they recognized the folly of their ways and offered some sage advice. So what did they say? And are we listening to their advice? Michael Rood shares some of the most important words of wisdom in the entire Bible. Because it's the end of the sixth day, the sun is set, and this is Shabbat Night Live. Welcome, Shabbat Shalom Torah fans. Welcome to Shabbat Night Live with Michael Rood. Solomon and Moses, certainly not perfect. Solomon was the wisest man in history, except when it came to women, and there's some pretty funny stuff in Proverbs about that, if you can read between the lines. Uh, and Moses wasn't perfect either, as amazing as his life was. Remember, he was not allowed into the promised land. So, what can we learn from the mistakes that these amazing men made? Well, we'll find out tonight on the second of the four-episode series of Michael Rood, famous last words. Another famous story in the Bible is that of the Maccabees and Hanukkah. And that's coming up this month, a new month on the astronomically and agriculturally corrected biblical Hebrew calendar. It is the first Shabbat in the month of Kislev, and this is when Hanukkah happened later on in the month. And actually Hanukkah comes around about uh, November 30th uh, sunset on our uh, Gregorian calendar. So let's talk about that with the Chief Operating Officer of Rude Awakening International, Ted Clayton. Hey, Scott, how are you today? Very good, thanks for joining us on Shabbat Shalom. Well, Shabbat Shalom, everyone. We're so excited to be here and to talk a little bit about Hanukkah. Yes, Hanukkah's a great uh, great thing. It's uh, We're actually having an event coming up. That's right. Uh, well, a couple of weeks time, so it's uh, November 12th or 13th, I guess now, and yeah. we're getting into Shabbat here, but yeah. uh, in a couple of weeks time, uh, we're gonna have, uh, three weeks time actually, we're going to have a Hanukkah special. That's right, it's kind of going to be like an extended Shabbat Night Live where we just have some of the greatest minds uh, talk about Hanukkah. Uh, tell us about one of them real quick. Well, Reuven Prager yes. uh, from Israel. Uh, you'll know Reuven uh, from doing the, uh, the half shekel Yes. in Israel, and mm -hmm. uh, he does his Begit of Ri, if you recognize that. That is yeah. his uh, biblical clothing thing that he does in Israel. Yes. And that's all he wears, and he tells some funny stories. Actually, when we're doing the interview, uh, we've already recorded it, but uh, he tells some funny stories about uh, him going through uh, security in the TSA line, uh -huh. and <laughs> they're asking all kinds of questions because the, the the biblical clothing is all he wears. That's right. So he looks like a strange character coming through, and anyway, it's hilarious. <laughs> but Reuben's a, a good-hearted guy, and uh, pray for Reuben, uh, Reuben, because he's uh, on oxygen right now. Oh, not COVID. Everybody thinks it's COVID-related when uh -huh. they hear this, but it's not. He's had congestive heart failure. Oh my goodness! And so, just out of the blue, and so uh, we just need to pray for him and just pray that he's uh, back up and running. Uh, in addition to Michael as well. Let, let's pray for him right now. Absolutely. Scott. Let's, play, let's play, pray for Reuben. Father God, we just ask right now uh, for your mercy onto Reuben and uh, just lay your supernatural healing hand on him as he uh, continues to recover from this uh, heart failure. Father, we just ask that you touch him, touch his life right now, renew his heart and renew his spirit. In Yeshua's mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Thank you, Ted. Well, speaking of overseas, uh, there mm -hmm. are some folks overseas that are 
are doing some amazing things uh, for their faith and for uh, yes. the, for bringing about uh, messianic uh, Torah observant things. Yes. And that is the uh, the folks in China. You know, Scott, I cannot even begin to tell you how hard it is uh, to worship the Almighty in China. People have to worship in secret. Uh, they have secret, uh, what they call secret prayer houses uh, in mainland China where people congregate. They congregate around one Bible and just read it all, you know, just just continuously just reading the Bible. So we also need to pray for our brothers and sisters in China. But we've had some incredible testimonies from China right. about Michael Rood. Indeed, and these are coming to us through uh, Kingdom for Jesus. Yes. Out of California. Great, uh, uh, you know, Paul Shea, great individual who is winning the hearts and minds of the people of China right now with the gospel. Uh, we just wanna thank Paul and for everything he does uh, for us and with us to the Asian world, and it's just fabulous. But Scott, re let's read some of these wonderful sure. testimonies that we have from mainland China. Now, you mentioned that uh, some folks will gather around one Bible, and these folks okay. here, they, you know, we think that, well, you know, we do broadcasts, and a lot of sure. it, we can still watch uh, Shabbat Night Live on yes. YouTube and wherever else. Yes. We still have that privilege, and some folks, well, if they're doing this in secret, you know, it's hard to do that. Yes. So how do they do it? So uh, there's a testimonial here says, uh, one subscriber to Kingdom for Jesus uh, sent a voicemail uh, via WeChat. That's how they communicate, is via yes, WeChat. WeChat. So the like apps are that. very valuable there. Yes. Uh, saying that an amount of uh, contribution was sent to uh, Kingdom for Jesus the day before. I was very touched by their support to the ministry and called her. Then she said the contribution was from her church. After further communication, I understood that it was a very small family church, around 20 people. Wow. So a, <laughs> a, family, a small family church in, in a home is still yes, 20 people, 20 which people. is a lot. Right, really. right, right. In the rural area uh, part of Eastern China, uh, most of the members are older women led by one or two younger uh, one or two younger ministers that way they learn the message from kingdom for jesus which is essentially from michael rood michael rood right uh, simply by listening to audio sermons of paul Shea and michael rood so they're not Incredible. even doing video they're just doing audio yes and their their lives are being greatly transformed as they all think that they have found something very precious that they have never heard before i've got another one and this is called a grassroots learner uh, to our surprise a construction worker contacted me one day to ask for more information on michael rood uh, and his teachings on the chronological gospels I think it was the day before the spring of New Year's of 2020, and he found us through WeChat, mm -hmm. once again. I helped him purchase one electronic copy of the Chronological Gospels from the rootstore.com, and after that, he kept asking questions. And uh, when Michael has been going through the things he's been going through, he prays for Michael every day. Mm. Ladies and gentlemen, think about that. He's, he's oppressed to the point where he has to secretly go and try to learn more of the gospel uh, through Michael's teaching, but he has the time every day to pray for Michael. Ladies and gentlemen, we have to keep doing what we're doing. We have to keep uh, putting the message out there for people just like this construction worker who would have never found the kingdom of Yeshua uh, without... Michael Rood. Ladies and gentlemen, right now, as we end this year of 2021 on the Gregorian calendar, ladies and gentlemen, I would ask that you prayerfully consider giving to this ministry. We are getting out 
further and faster than we ever have before. And it's because of your sacrificial giving that we're able to do that. So please, please, at this end of year time, would you please consider giving to A Root Awakening? We have so much more to do. And you know, we saw this video of Michael um, a couple of weeks back with uh, him saying he's working real hard uh, to come back with us. Ladies and gentlemen, help us help Michael get back to preaching the word and being here here with us, and we greatly thank you so very much for that. Thank you. All right, thanks, Ted. All right, so Solomon and Moses, very amazing people, but they still made mistakes like the rest of us. So at the end of their lives, they did recognize the folly of their ways, and they offered some very good advice. What did they say? Are we listening? Stay tuned for Famous Last Words with Michael Rood. But first, it's the Kiddish, so you have two minutes to go and grab your bread and wine. Go. Ancient Pharisees and new believers alike have struggled with the same question. What does it mean to be born again? Using simple examples from Yehovah's creation, Pastor Carl Gallops reveals the mystery of the gospel in this month's Love Gift teaching. How can we become a new creature and just live this exotic life? Well, how does a caterpillar become a butterfly and fly through the air when it used to slink along the ground as a grub? In this month's Love Gift teaching, the meaning of life Pastor Carl Gallops will challenge you to simplify what you understand about the Bible and encourage you to trust Yehovah with things that the human mind cannot comprehend. Right now, for a limited time, you can get your copy of The Meaning of Life by donation. Donate a $50 love gift and we'll send you The Meaning of Life on DVD or Blu-ray. Or for a donation of $100, we'll send you The Meaning of Life plus a silver-plated menorah collectible, and this decorative accent tile with the word Shalom in English and Hebrew. Or as a special offer for a donation of $300, we'll send you The Meaning of Life, the menorah collectible and accent tile, plus a beautiful frame canvas of the Lion of Judah watching over ancient Jerusalem. These are special gifts from Michael Rood to thank you for your support. Make your donation today and receive the $50 gift, the $100 gift, or the $300 gift. Don't wait. The Meaning of Life is available only until November 30th and supplies are limited. Call now to receive your gifts. 888-766-3610. That's 888-766-3610. Or get your gifts online at monthlylovegift.com. There is a rabbinic tradition, even a takanot, a law which changed biblical law, that before one eats bread, one must wash their hand with a two-handled pot, a nagelvesser, and say this prayer. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us by your commandments, commanding us to wash the hands. Nowhere in the scripture is this ever commanded. In fact, the rabbis will plainly say that we are the ones that made it up 
and when you are obeying us, you're obeying God. Well, Yeshua said, do not follow the Takanot of the Pharisees. Do not follow their man-made rules and regulations. But every time there is bread, every time we can remember what Yeshua said, what he put in place. And we can say the prayer, Baruchata Yehovah Elohim Melech Ha'olam Hamotzi Lechem Min Ha'aretz. Blessed are you, Yehovah, our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. And Yeshua said, I am the bread brought forth in the earth. This represents my body, which is broken for you. As often as you do this, if it's every meal, if it's every Sabbath, you do it in remembrance of me, because by his stripes we were healed. And Yeshua took the cup, and he said, Baruchata Yehovah, Elohino Melech HaAlam, Borei Pari Hagafen. Blessed are you, Yehovah, our God, King of the universe, creator of the fruit of the vine. And Yeshua said, this represents the renewed covenant in my blood, the broken covenant in which we were offered to be priests and kings. Yeshua paid the price. He renewed the covenant with us and made us priests and kings. And so as often as we do this, we remember this and we reign as priests and kings now and will do so in the future with Yeshua for a thousand years in our resurrected body along with his resurrected body. And we do this in remembrance of him. Shalom. This is Famous Last Words. Pancho Villa and his famous last words as he lay dying were, tell them I said something, and he died. Well, last words are not always famous, they're not always the most brilliant, but when we have in the scripture the last words that are given by a prophet, by a spokesman from the Almighty, you know those last words are going to be extremely important. It is like the absolute punctuating point that when these last words are given, this is something to hold on to and realize that the culmination of this person's entire being, his entire walk with the Almighty are boiled down to this very moment. And the instructions that they give are extremely important for the kingdom to continue to go on. As we read in 2 Samuel, the last words of King David, he said that the sons of Belial are like thorns that must be uprooted. Be careful, they cannot be taken with bare hands. The man that handles them must be protected with an iron glove and must use the long staff of a spear. He shall utterly destroy them wherever they grow. I kind of typify that as, you know, kill them all, let God sort them out. And this is exactly what he had to give instructions to his son Solomon 
uh, which is recorded just a few chapters later because David has to tell him who needs to be executed because of what is going to happen in his kingdom if they do not do so. As Solomon said, there's a time for peace and there's a time for war. And David, even though he made peace with some of his enemies, he knew that when he was no longer there, that they were going to be troubled. The last words of Peter, he said that Yeshua told him that he was going to die. He said, this is going to happen. And he then gives his last words and, and, and sets in juxtaposition those like himself who have received revelation from heaven from those who are just making things up to make merchandise, to you know, make a living, to, to go from house to house, where they, they, they take advantage of people, take advantage of their ignorance. And it was Peter that said, no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. No prophecy of the scripture is of any one's own letting loose. It is idios evolusos. It's not just up to them. They just don't let it loose and out comes you know, something directly from heaven. He said, because prophecy did not come at any time by the will of man. You can't will it. The Almighty is the one that gives it. It doesn't matter if you have people standing up, uh, lining up and, and doing the, you know, the $1,000 prophecy line or the $100 prophecy line to where you line up and then you have these prophets give you nothing but soothing sayings about your future fortunes, okay? This is not... This is not what it's all about. You know, they just let loose and they come up with, you know, the palmer worm and the canker worm, I'm not going to destroy it. They wouldn't know a palmer worm if it bit them on the shoulder. A canker worm, you know, it's like, you know, they, they use King James English and they take it completely out of context into these flowery statements and you just paid a thousand dollars for somebody to blow smoke up your skirt. You know, the, the prophecy, a word from heaven doesn't come by the will of man, but holy men of God, they were spoke, they spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on to say, but conversely, there were false prophets among the people of old time, even as there are false teachers among you today who surreptitiously bring in damnable heresies. And, and most people are not educated enough in the Bible, especially in this generation, to even know when people are just making things up. And I listen to it all the time. And I hear these, these false apostles who, who, who think they're tricking people, but they can only fool themselves because one day they're gonna answer to the king of kings. The famous last words of Solomon are found in Ecclesiastes, the preacher. And this is what he is at the end of his life. He's a preacher. It's not only the wisest man that ever lived other than Yeshua, but he said at the end of his life, at the end of the entire preaching of Ecclesiastes, and this, this, this deserves going through with, with great detail, he describes what happens at the end of a, of a person's life when, uh, when the grinder cease, you know, when his teeth no longer will grind, when, when, when the eyes grow dim, you know, before the, the silver cord is broken. You know, at the very end of life, he said, so listen, listen. 
Let's hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Uh, from someone who has had everything, I've had every pleasure, I've, I've had a thousand wives and concubines, I've had untold riches, I could do anything that I wanted to do. So all of you out there who think you gotta try everything, I've already done it. And let me tell you something, when it's all said and done, just before your last breath is taken, you're gonna understand something and I want you to understand right now. When it's all over, except that last breath, this is it. Fear God, fear God, fear him, fear him, because the next step, you're gonna be standing before him. You better fear him your whole life and keep his commandments. This is it. This is the whole duty of man. It all boils down to this. Keep his commandments. As John says, the disciple of Yeshua, whosoever says he loves God but doesn't keep his commandments, he's a liar. The truth isn't even in him. He's clueless. Then Solomon continued on. And he said that God will bring into it, it, it shall bring every work, everything that a man has done into judgment. It's gonna be weighed out. Everything that he's done in secret, good or evil, it will be found out. And that is why he says, those that give, Yeshua said, give so that your right hand, left hand doesn't know what your right hand is doing and vice versa. Don't give to be seen of men. Give because when you give, you're loaning to God and he will pay, repay you. Concerning the last words of Moses, it says, David said that he made known his ways unto Moses. The Almighty made known his ways unto Moses, why he did what he did. His acts unto the children of Israel. The children of Israel, we saw what he did. We didn't understand it at the time, but Moses knew. And now, Moses' famous last words are given in one speech, one message, and that message in the Bible is called Devarim, Devarim. Ve'ilah Devarim, which are the beginning of the book of Deuteronomy, which means in Hebrew, these are the words. These are the words. These are the last words of Moses, and these are the words of Moses that are to be read every seven years. Without fail, man, woman, and child will come up to the feast, and this book, this Torah, will be read in the ears of everyone. As it tells us in Deuteronomy 31, nine, Moses wrote this Torah, delivered it to the priests, the sons of Eli, which bear the Ark of the Covenant of Yahweh, and he delivered it to the elders of Israel. And Moses commanded them, saying, at the end of, of seven years, in the solemnity of the year of release, at the Feast of Tabernacles, when all Israel has come up to appear before Yahovah in the place which he shall choose, thou shalt read this Torah before all Israel in their hearing. The book of Devarim, the words. 
lays out the recitation and why the Almighty did what he did. We have the commandments that are reiterated in detail and it's done more than once in this final address. He says that the Sabbath must be guarded at all cost. Moses tells us that the Aviv and the feast must be guarded at all cost. We are not to let any of the abominations of the heathen to slip in in any way because these are the people that are being thrown out of the land because of these abominations. And if you do the same thing, you will be thrown out of the land. You too will be ejected. But as long as you keep yourself pure and holy, as you are holy as I am holy, if you do not name the names of pagan gods or worship as the heathen do, then you'll stay in the land. Moses gives us detail that the Almighty spoke to him on the very day that the commands were shouted down and the people were afraid. They, they said, you know, Moses, please, you go up into the mountain, you speak with the Almighty. We saw you walk up into the blast furnace Okay, we know you're tight with him because he called you by name. You came back down, you brought us up to the base of the mountain which was on fire. The rocks were breaking from the sound of the trumpets blowing and when he shouted down his commandments, we were so afraid we said, you go up into the mountain, whatever he tells you, you come back and tell us and we promise we'll obey, but do not, do not let us hear the voice of the Almighty again. We are afraid we're going to die. So Moses went up in the mountain and told the Almighty what Israel just told him. And we're gonna read it because Moses is so precise on this. He speaks of the prophet, the prophet that we must hear and we must obey. The prophet that we must shema. Moses tells us, and we have to agree and we have to rehearse these things, that all who are outside of the law are under a curse. Everyone who does not keep everything that we were commanded and was, was detailed right there by Moses in his last address, we are line after line, Cursed is he who does this. Cursed is he who does not do that. Curse after curse after curse after curse. And then finally, as Shaul writes in Galatians, you know, as it is written, cursed is everyone who is outside of ek, Greek, they didn't even get it right in the King James. Outside of the law, if you are outside of the Torah, you are under a curse. And then the final and the most perfect curse is a curse upon all them who say that they are blessed if they don't keep the Torah. That the Torah is a curse and that they are blessed if they don't keep the Torah, then there's a special curse upon them that goes throughout all of history and is now embedded in the modern grace perversion movement. You see entire auditoriums filled with nothing but tares, gathered into the barn for the burning. 
The most deceived people on earth are the ones who are preaching grace as license to do however you want in saying that the Torah is a curse. No, the curse of the law is the breaking. If you break the law, you're under the penalty of death. That is what the curse of the law. Yeshua redeemed us from the curse of the law. The law is not a curse. Only in the mind of the sick, twisted, religious, not true sons, may I say it, in a term that's not used in the King James Version of the Bible, not true sons, but they are sons of Belial, liars, false apostles, filling the airways with their satanic manipulation. Well, now we go to Deuteronomy chapter five, verse one. Deuteronomy chapter five, get familiar with this book. Uh, first of all, in, in chapter one, in verse 26, He's reiterating what has transpired in the past. He's uh, you know, going back to the, 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 the story of the 40 years earlier when the spies were sent in the land. Verse 26, you would not go up. You rebelled against the commandment of Yahovah your Elohim. You murmured in your tents and you said, it's, it's because Yahovah hates us that he's brought us out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. See, that in the Brit Hadashah is what is referred to as blasphemy, which is insult. You are insulting the Almighty. You are attributing to the Almighty maleficent intent. That's what it is. You are saying that he had, a, he had evil reasons for bringing us out. It's not because he's the God of love who takes care of us and suckers us and wants the best for us. No, it's because he wants to kill us. And that is something you have to be very careful of. When things go bad, just do not let your mind go there. Never let it come out of your mouth. The Almighty loves you. There's a power that doesn't love you, however, and if you cry unto the Almighty, he will deliver you from the hands of the wicked one. So, we, uh, we are going all the way to chapter five. Chapter five and we are going to stop off at chapter four, verse one. Now therefore, because of everything is laid out in the first three chapters, giving the history of the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness and why it happened, now we are going to go to chapter four, verse one. Now therefore hearken, O Israel, unto the statutes and unto the judgments which I teach you, for to do them, that you may live and go in and possess the land which Yahweh, the God of your fathers, gives you. You shall not add unto the word of which I command you, neither shall you diminish aught from it, that you may keep the commandments of Yahweh your Elohim, which I command you. Anyone who adds to or subtracts from they are a false prophet, period. I don't care if it's called Judaism, Messianic Judaism, Episcopalian, Protestant, Buddhist, Baptist, Muslim, Methodist, it doesn't matter. If they add to or subtract from, 
They are least in the kingdom of heaven, which is a relative term, which means that they are the lowest form of life you could possibly think of. It's worse than what you step on when you're out for a walk and, and you have to scrape the bottom of your feet off. That's bad, but to be least is lower than that. Just give you something to compare it with that you might be able to relate it to. In the kingdom of heaven, they are lower than what you step in and don't like it. Now, chapter five. Moses called Israel, said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and judgment which I speak in your ears this day, that you may learn them and keep them, which is to guard them. He said, Yahweh, our God, our Elohim, he made a covenant with us in Horeb. He didn't make this covenant with our fathers, but with us. Our fathers are all dead. We buried them out in the wilderness. He made this covenant with us. You were there and you're alive even to this day. You're the ones that, that your parents said you would not live because they insulted the Almighty, they're all dead, and now you're here. Yahovah, he spoke with you face to face in the mount, in the midst of the fire. And this is when Moses goes back and said, you know, uh, you, know you asked me to stand between you and Yahweh at that time. You were so afraid of this, but you were there. And see, this is not a literary invention. The people were there, it was never denied. We have no record in even all the false and failures and in some of Israel just turning their back on the Almighty, but it could never be denied that they were there at that mountain. It's only the modern uh, archeologists from the Department of Antiquities, i.e. the Rockefeller Museum, and those who have their, their, their tenure because they kowtow to the atheist. These are the last words, these are important people. Just as, as Moses reiterated again, Leviticus 23, these are the feast of Yahovah. They're his feast. They are holy convocations, Kadosh Mikrah, which you shall proclaim in their seasons. How do you know what their seasons are? Unless you go by the Aviv in the land of Israel, you go by the new moon and you'll learn to count to seven. Oh, no, it's actually seven. You count to seven, and the seventh day is the Sabbath day. It doesn't matter what the moon is doing. 29.530587 days long, it's not an even number, divisible by seven people. In Exodus, in 23, is the actual event that Moses goes out of the mountain and the Almighty speaks to him and says, three times you shall keep a feast to me in the year. Thou shalt keep the feast of unleavened bread which is a seven-day feast. And you shall eat unleavened bread for seven days, as I command thee, in the time appointed, on the month of the Aviv. For in it, the month of the Aviv, you came out of Egypt. And when you come up to this feast, don't appear before me empty, okay? This is a feast, it's my feast. Come up with an offering. Come up, take care of the poor, the widows, the orphans. And then he says, and you're also gonna keep the feast of the harvest, the first fruits of your labor, which you have sown in the field. This is the feast of ingathering, which is at the end of the year, you know, the harvest year. When you've gathered in thy labors out of the field, three times a year, three times a year shall all the males appear before Yahovah. 
Then, the 18th chapter, this, this is the one, uh, see, I mean, this is, this is my 42-year-old Bible, this is, this is the 18th chapter, as you can see. It no longer is attached to my Bible. It's got the one, the one that with the corners torn out of the page by accident, because this is, this is the Messianic prophecy. You only need one, ladies and gentlemen, you only need one, here it is. Verse 15, Yahovah, your Elohim, your God, will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, from among your brethren, like unto me, who hears directly from heaven, and unto him you shall shema. Shema Yisrael. Yahovah Elohim, Yahovah Echad, Baruch Shem Kavod, Malkuto Leolam Vaed. Shema, you must Shema, you must hear and obey that prophet. And this is according to all that you desired of Yahovah in Horeb in the day of the assembly when you said, Don't let me hear again the voice of Yahovah. Don't let me see this great fire anymore because I don't want to die. And that's when Yahweh said to me, they have well spoken that which they have spoken. Now, in Exodus, you don't get to see this. You don't get to see this. Moses is now telling us what happened when he went up on this mountain. He is now for the first time speaking this. That Yahweh said to me, the people have well spoken which they have spoken. I will not speak to them in this raging fire anymore. I will not shout it down from the mountain. I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren, like unto you, Moses. I will put my words in his mouth. He shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. And it shall come to pass that whosoever will not shema will not hear and obey my words, which he shall speak in my name, and no, not in the name of Hashem, or old what's his name, or Adonai, my Lord. No, he will speak in my name, Yehovah. Whoever doesn't listen to my words, which he shall speak, I will require it of him. Which is weak translation for, it will be diligently sought out and he will be judged according to his compliance with the words of that prophet. This is the prophet. There is only one who has put the plumb line down between the rules and regulations of man-made religion and taken us right back to the Torah as every prophet does. Yeshua is that prophet. And even though the world has tried to turn him into the sweet, eight pounds, six ounce baby Jesus, or into one who comes to bring peace, or one who nailed the Torah of all things to the cross instead of the handwriting ordinances that was concocted by the Pharisees and the religious leaders. It is he that we must shema because he is the one that takes us back and says all those who are anomia without Torah will be told, get out of my face, because on judgment day, I will require it of him. If he has not kept my father's commandments, he will have no part 
in the world to come. The prophet which shall presume to speak a word in my name, okay, presumptuously, he's made it up, which I have not commanded him to speak, you know, these are the sent ones that send themselves out there, or shall speak in the name of other gods. Even that prophet shall die, kill him. If you say in your heart, how shall we know the word which Jehovah has now spoken? He says, one of his prophets speaks in the name of the Lord, and he says, thus saith Jehovah. If the thing does not come to pass, then it's not the thing that Jehovah has spoken. The prophet has spoken presumptuously. Don't, don't be afraid of him. You know, he's just making it up, okay? You know, the blood moon phenomenon, just making it up. No, lunar eclipses, yes, blood moons, not a clue, deceivers. Then Moses said, all right, let's get it down straight. Do not learn the way of the heathen. Just like we were told at Mount Sinai, now he's gonna reiterate it, and this is Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 12. And we begin in verse one. Everyone turn there. These are the statutes and judgments. These are the statutes and the judgments which you shall observe to do in the land which Yehovah, the God of your fathers, gives you to possess all the days that you live upon the earth. Now, within these things that you are to do in the land, is the Sabbath year's rest, the year of release, the Shemitah. That's what you're to do in the land. They didn't do it in the 40 years of wandering the wilderness. You're not to do it outside of the land. And that is where we are to do these very things. When you go into the land, this is one of the things. What's another thing? Now this is something that you can do no matter where you are. You shall utterly destroy all the places wherein the nations, the pagans, serve their gods. Every vestige of pagan sun god worship, that is what you are going to destroy. Upon the high mountains, and upon the hills, and under every green tree. Every green tree is literally, you know, how it's turned into is the evergreen tree, in which, you know, every time of the winter solstice, in America, now this used to be illegal in America, to have a Christmas tree in America used to be against the law because they knew it was pagan sun god worship. But see, they, they take this tree, they cut it down out of the field, they put it, in, erect it in the house, and then they put the gold and silver testicles of Ra upon the tree, they deck it with this gold and silver, and then they put presents under the tree, and then they have their children get down under the phallic symbol, the penis of Ra, and collect their gifts from the reincarnated Nimrod, reincarnated baby Tammuz on December 25th. He said, don't do this. This is not how you're going to do it. He says, you'll overthrow their altars. You're gonna break down their obelisk. You're not gonna erect them to the father of your country, this huge phallic symbol in Washington, D.C., which is, you know, just the same as Ra's member in Egypt, now we got the member of Washington, the father of our country, okay? Don't do it. 
What do you have? You got pagan sun god worship. You just got the, the whole Masonic thing that, that, that uh, it put this all in place. He says, burn their groves with fire. How do you burn groves with fire? Because these are the groveyards, you know, like graveyards today. These are the phallic symbol evergreen trees. Cut them down and burn them up. Hew down the graven images of their gods. Destroy the names of them out of that place. You know, and yet in America, we, we, everyone talks about Easter Sunday. Easter, the name of the bare-breasted Babylonian fertility goddess. He says, get rid of the names of them. He said, do not do these things unto Yahovah, but unto the place which Yahovah shall choose. Out of all the tribes who put his name there, which for 400 years was Shiloh. And then after that, by revelation, David moved the Ark of the Covenant up to Jerusalem, and that is the place where the temple is built, and that is the place where he chose to put his name. And it says, unto his habitation shall ye seek. And that is where you are going to come. He went on to say, take heed, take heed. This is... Uh, Oh, wow, this is, this is also in Colossians, but I wanna read it to you right here. Take heed to thyself that you be not snared by following them. After they, these pagans, are destroyed from before thee. And that you do not inquire after their gods, saying, how did these nations serve their gods? Even so, I'll do likewise. Thou shalt not do so unto Yehovah. Every abomination, everything he hates, this is what they've done to their gods. Even their sons and daughters have they burnt in the fire to their gods, and that's exactly what Easter and Christmas are. Child mass, child sacrifice, December 25th. Easter, the sacrifice of infants on Easter and burning them to Moloch and Chemish. He says, whatsoever thing I command you, you observe and do it. You're not gonna add to, you're not gonna diminish from it. Again, don't add to, don't diminish from it. Ladies and gentlemen, the last words of Moses are so critical, I wanna go back. Take heed to yourself that you be not snared by following after them, after they're destroyed from before thee. Do not inquire after their gods, saying how do these nations serve their gods? Even so I'll do likewise. Go to Colossians. Colossians chapter two, the most tortured scripture, well, besides the entire book of Galatians. Chapter two and verse six. As you have therefore, okay, now whenever you see therefore, move it right to the beginning. Okay, you have to do that right at the beginning of the sentence. And remember that syntax, syntax from Greek and Hebrew over in English, you need the therefore at the beginning. Therefore, because of what has been previously stated, which we do not need to go into all the details of this. Therefore, as you have received... Christ Jesus the Lord, Yeshua Messiah, Adonai, so walk ye in him, so walk ye in him, 
This is what we're saying. That you're going to follow Yahovah. You know, walk in him. Do what he says to do. If you're gonna walk in him, that means you've got to do what he said to do. You're following him, walking in him, follow him. He set the example, do what he did. Yeshua's life was our example. His death was our a sacrifice for us, okay? He died in our place, but he didn't live in our place. He said, follow me. I'm showing you how to do it. It's simple. The Torah is not difficult. Following the rules and regulations of men, that's bondage. That's difficult. Established in the faith, the faith once delivered to the saints as you have been taught by Shaul, abounding therein, abounding with thanksgiving. Beware, beware. What does it say? Because he's quoting, he's quoting the last words of Moses. Beware, take heed to thyself. Beware, lest any man spoil you. Take heed unto the scythe, that thou be not snared by following them from Moses. Now we take it, Shaul quoting, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy. Philosophy in vain deceit. Philosophy, which is philosophia, the love of wisdom. This is man's wisdom. There's nothing wrong with wisdom. Solomon prayed for it and the Almighty blessed him with wisdom. He's talking about the wisdom of this world being world smart, you know, following the, the world's point of view, being immersed in, the, in a worldview that is contrary to what Yeshua is teaching and believing, not being rooted in, rooted in him. So you have to beware, take heed to yourself, lest any man, any of these pagan sun god worshipers spoil you, spoil you, and that is to, when, when, it's a military term, when you conquer, then all the spoils of war belong to the conquerors. Take heed to thyself, back to Moses, that you be not snared by following after them, that you be entrapped. You follow after them and they're gonna set a trap for you and when they catch you, they spoil you. It's all theirs. It's all theirs. Everything, all the rewards that would have belonged to you if you'd followed Yeshua are now theirs. <laughs> They've stolen them from you. They will spoil you. And how they do it, how do they lay these snares? Through following their worldview. And vain deceit. They will be deceptive and get you to follow vanity. You follow after the vain deceit after by following after the tradition of men and following after the rudiments of this world, the individual bricks that make up the whole of this world. You start following them. They start putting in place piece by piece instead of being rooted, grounded, and founded with their foundation on the Messiah, on the rock, which will not move when the rains come down and the floods come up, on the rock of which you are supposed to be building the building of your life. In him, you have to listen to Yeshua. Follow me as I follow Yeshua. That's what Shaul said. Follow Yeshua, learn him. Take his yoke upon you. It is light. 
take your man-made religion, take it off your shoulders and put it on his. He already nailed that handwriting of those ordinances that were against us. He already nailed it to his cross. Verse 18, let no man beguile you. Don't let them trick you. Take heed to thyself. Do not be snared by following after them, after they're destroyed before you. Don't learn how they worship and serve their gods and say you're doing it for me. In verse 20, therefore, this is why, if you are dead with Messiah from the rudiments of this world, why as though living in this world are you subject to their ordinances, to their man-made rules and regulations. You're dead to them. We have been set free. We have been completely set free from their world. Verse 16, let no man therefore. What did I tell you to do? Put the therefore where it belongs, at the beginning of the sentence. We're speaking English now, okay? We're not, we don't have to worry about Greek syntax here. Therefore, therefore, because Yeshua took the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, that was made by the Arche and Exousia, the religious leaders of his day, these are the rules he broke, and these are the rules that he broke that got him nailed to the cross. But he triumphed over them in that very thing and that he was raised from the dead. He triumphed over them in this. Therefore, let no man, no religious person, let no pagan sun god worshiper judge you in meat or in drink, on respect of a holy day or of a new moon, the biblical calendar or the Sabbath days, which are all shadow pictures of good things to come. They are literally the means whereby the Almighty told us the end of time from the very beginning. It is the proclamation of the Yeshua who will fulfill the spring, who has fulfilled the spring feast of the Lord and will fulfill the fall feast of the Lord. They are the shadow of good things to come. Let no man judge you but the body of Messiah. The temple has been destroyed. We can no longer go up to the feast, but does that mean we cannot celebrate these prophetic shadow pictures of good things to come? God forbid, it's the most precious thing that we have in our life is to remember what the Almighty has done and what he will do. The body of Messiah is alone qualified to judge how we celebrate the feast of the Lord that Moses laid out in his last words three times a year. Do it, do not learn the way of the heathen. Do the will of the Father. Keep his commandments and you will have, as Yeshua said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Keep the commandments. Keep the commandments. Yeshua paid the death penalty for the broken covenant. Now, out of love for our heavenly Father, love and respect for Yeshua, we will keep the commandments. I'd like to pray. Yevarechecha Yehovah v'yishmerecha. Yair, Yahovah, Panavelecha, Vichonecha. Isa, Yahovah, Panavelecha, Vesamlecha, Shalom. Basham Yeshua, Hamashiach, Sar Shalom. Yahovah, bless you and keep you. Yahovah, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Yahovah, lift up his countenance upon you. Give you peace. In the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. <laughs>